Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 281 with Matt Bosco. How are you, Matt? I'm doing great, Dale. How are you, man? I'm good, mate. Now, I need to apologize to you. I've uh, I've been on a four-month sabbatical or having a bit of a hiatus, a hibernation, um, and I've... For good rescheduled- reason, Dale. For good yeah, reason. I've, <laughs> I've rescheduled okay. about three times, and um, I thought, what better way to kick off the new year than to actually make this happen? And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for it, but also I'm really grateful that uh, how understanding you have been. Yeah, man. I mean, I've been there twice, so it's a pretty incredible time. And you, that is what's most important. It, it, it's not a tough, it's not a big debate there, you know? <laughs> no, I, I get that, mate. And uh, yeah, we're going really well. Thank you. But uh, I always like to start with a little bit of gratitude or just uh, highlighting something that's been really positive. What, what's been the best thing you've done in the last seven days? Whew, in the last seven days? The best thing that I've done, um, actually, I got to say, it was the daddy-daughter dance uh, with my with my eight-year-old daughter. Um, it's the first one I was able to go to um, because because of things I was doing in, in you know prior years had me traveling so much. So I was actually home. I was actually available, and so this was our first daddy-daughter dance, and it was it, it was it was it was super fun. It was super fun to just have that time with my eight-year-old. And, you know, those are the moments that you you just, you never get them back and you never forget them, you know? Yeah, you do. And it's probably one of those things. I know I used to travel a lot for work as well, and I'm, I don't want to anymore because, you know, I've got a couple of boys at home. But uh, probably one of those things, because you haven't experienced it, you probably didn't realize how much you're missing out on, I'm guessing. Oh, well, I wish I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> Put in mouse syndrome here straight up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think if, if I'm totally honest and transparent, I think I would just create a narrative to justify it in some yeah. way. Um, but I knew those were special moments and I was not happy that I was missing them. Yeah. Yeah. And and we do do that to uh, sort of make ourselves feel a little bit better. And I, I can empathize with you and I'm sure listeners can as well, Matt. So, oh, brilliant, mate. I'm really glad that uh, you were able to do that and hopefully many more to come. Amen, my friend. Amen. Uh, now let's obviously you've got we're going to talk about the amazing work you're doing but um your story of what you've been able to come and sort of the resilience you've built up um do you want to talk about like your illnesses and right oh, like I, I don't even know where to start you've had you've had a pretty rough trot but now looking at you you're happy <laughs> everything's great do you want to explain that you've been of your story yeah i mean you know i mean people have been through a lot worse than i have you know but you know it was it was it was challenging for sure i mean uh, it all started with all those orthopedic injuries uh, as a kid and um you know when i think about all of the the last really i mean it's got to be now maybe 25 years um you know when i look back on it it all makes sense because it, 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 the only way that I would have been able, at least from what I can see, to learn what I've learned, to extract the knowledge that I've extracted, and to create the life and create what I've been able to create, the only way to get to that destination, which is what I was obsessed, obsessively you know, uh, focused on getting to, this was the way. So, so you know, 
I think sometimes it's it's good to be ignorant um, because when I said, hey, I want to get some answers to these things, you know, and I'll do whatever it takes. If someone would have sat down and said, well, if you're really going to want to get there, here's all the shit you're going to have to deal with. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, maybe I don't want it that badly, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's obviously very challenging at the time, but 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 I could honestly say it was all worth it. Um, and that doesn't mean it didn't suck when I was going through it. And it doesn't mean that there were times where I was like, yeah, I think I'm done. I'm tapping out. I can't, I just, I got nothing left, you know? Um, but, um, but, you know, it's easy to say this when I'm on the other side of it. Um, but, but I would, I would go through it again in a second. And it's, it, isn't it great that you can sit back now and um, you've been o- overcome it, of course, and live through it and be really proud of it. But like you said before, like, that when you are going through it and people out there probably going through a tough time at the moment or whatever, they don't think about the future and how proud they'll be when they overcome it. They're just thinking, this is unfair. This is, why is this happening to me? I don't want to do this. Yeah. Like, and so how did you constantly, what, what was the the medicine you used for yourself, the self-talk I feel to, you know, change that narrative to overcome it? Uh, it's a great question. And just a funny side note, you know, when you're in those moments, the last thing you want, to hear someone saying, you know, there's, there's a silver <laughs> lining. Like, shut up. Yeah. So I'm very mindful of that when I work with clients, like, Hey, there's, this is all going to make sense someday. It's like, yeah, that's not what you want to hear in those moments. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, it's a great question. I've actually had someone ask me that not too long ago. And I really reflected on that. And I think you kind of used the word in the beginning was there was a resiliency there. And I think, and good old uh, Victor Frankl uh, taught us this with, with man's man's search for meaning. Um, I had a, I had a mission, a purpose uh, of, of, of getting somewhere and, and the stronger the mission, the stronger your tolerance and your, and your resiliency. Um, And I think, I, I I really just refused. I, I, I refused to settle. Um, not that I wasn't on the edge at times. And, yeah. and, and, and I, and in some cases I would say I went off the path and I'm like, you know what? I, I'm just not pursuing this anymore. It's too much. It's too painful. I have no idea what to do with myself. I'm going to go the traditional routes. Um, I didn't hang out there too long and thank God I had, some people in my world that would, you know, they were my bumpers, I call them. You know what I mean? When you, you stray a little off, you need your bumpers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I know what you mean. And kind of bump you back. And uh, I was smart enough to to be and aware enough um to to be like, yeah, this is this is not this is not this is not what I want. And and yeah, it might be easier right now, but I'll never forgive myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's amazing. Like you just mentioned their bumpers. I really like that, that uh, life's really about the people that you have around you and you'll, you'll yeah. find out more about that when you are going through a really tough time. It's always, it's easy when things are going good and rosy, like, you know, it's easy to be someone's bumpers then, but who's really <laughs> sticking around then. So um, how, how important do you, do you let those people know 
how important they were for your journey? Like, did did you, like, and I suppose now when you sit back and what you've been able to become, you're very proud of it and everything like that. Um, how do you, you don't have to ever repay people because people are bumpers because they love you and they care for you. But um, how do you let them know the impact that they had on you? It's funny you say that because, you know, I, I, I really, I would say came out of a very dark place at the end of 2021, which is, I guess, two years ago now, right? Yep. Crazy. Yep. <laughs> um, and you, we can get into that if you want to, but um, came out of that and started writing to try to get reconnected to myself and my journey. Um, and four week, four months into just journaling, I decided in around April of 2021, that it was time to write my book. And six months later, I published it, which is pretty insane. Um, as far as writing books and publishing books goes, you know, from what I've been told anyway. Um, but the thing to circle back to your question, Dale, what dawned on me in such a profound way and the, the gratitude and the appreciation and the love that I just bursted from me um in that moment and i just basically like remembered all the bumpers all yeah. the people and i i mean in the beginning of my book i i write all their names very specifically and and reach out to each one of them and you know sent them a book and called them and just said hey man and some of them i haven't talked to in years yeah you know um, and even some friends, I just reconnected with a really good friend of mine, even a month or two ago, you know, he was overseas and just came back. So we've been talking a little bit. It was the first time I saw him and he goes, dude, what had you reach out to me? Like that was kind of out of nowhere. Cause I haven't talked to you forever. And it's exactly what you're talking about. I go, dude, I just, I just appreciate you, man. And you've always been there and, you know, and I just want to let you know that it means a lot to me. So, you know, I think that's all I'd want to hear from somebody, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you don't need to get like a pendant or anything. I just, you know, <laughs> it's nice to, nice to know that you've made a difference in someone's life, you know? Oh, hundred percent. And like you just said there, having the realization of writing a book and going through that, it, it, it heightens your awareness of those people. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I'm doing a lot of my keynotes and workshops, Matt, is I get people to send something I call a Pell message where you tell someone why you're proud of them, what you admire about them, why you love them. And I tell them to send it just randomly because that's when it has more power. And like you just said there, why it's very easy to praise someone on their birthday or when they've done something good, but that's everyone's okay. praising you then. You know, and it's like what we are saying about bumpers when life's good. You know, it's easy to be that person. But like you just said, reaching out to somebody when you haven't spoke to them for a while, the impact that can have is profound. Um, why? And I see the impact this has when I talk about it and when I do it and things like that. But why do you think? It's so simple. It, it is so easy to do, but why, why, why don't people do it more? Like, it, it, I don't know. Is, is Can you give me that answer? Because I can't find the I answer. Mean, I mean, I could. I, I really do think I have an answer. Good. <laughs> Hooray. I've been, man, I've been looking for this for a while. Don't, you don't have to ask, you don't have to ask question anymore, Dale. No, I'm, I'm done. All right, I'll drop, I'll drop that question forever. I'm done now. Here we go. I'm, I'm all ears. <laughs> I mean... Honestly, and this is something I've really been, really been studying and focusing on a lot this last year is really the state of the world and the state of our, I mean, I know you're out in Australia, but just the Western world or the Western way of being, I'll just call it, right? Yep. Um, it's kind of been, it's kind of been a globalized thing now. 
good and bad, right? Um, but I think we are more disconnected to ourselves than we ever have been. Um, and because we're disconnected to ourselves, and there's lots of reasons why I believe that's the case, um, it's very difficult for us to actually be really connected to anybody or anything or the world or the planet. And, you know, I think we have so many people, it's like every man for himself right now in a lot of ways. Um, and people are in survival mode. There's like, you know, when your house is on fire, you know, you're not going to be grateful for, you know, the you know, parts of the house that aren't on fire. You're just going to be focused <laughs> on putting the fires out. You know what I'm saying? You're yeah, not going to sit there and say, well, at least the laundry room's not on fire, so we can be happy about that. Like, yeah, no, we don't have time for that. <laughs> so true. You know, get the extinguisher, right? And so I think because because of this and because our whole world is just we're inundated with distractions and and artificial you know think things are just aren't important but we are convinced are so friggin' important um they have us running around like 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 chickens with our heads cut off when we slow down enough dale like when we actually slow down like i did because i was forced to there's a couple of things that happen in people's lives where they're forced to slow down they get sick something happens to the body some major rat like, you know what i mean like sometimes the, the like the, the universe the world the body just has a way of saying all right I've been trying to send you some signals to slow the hell down, but now we're just going to force the action here. Um, and I feel like those are the moments where where you you have an opportunity to reflect. Yeah. And 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 I, that's that's and that's what happened to me. Um, and you know, so I just think I think we're all you know the short and dirty answer is we're just we're in survival mode. And but but I would say that the root of it is this 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 idea that I'm seeing very prevalent is just the amount of disconnection to ourselves yeah. um, and just the impact that has. Yeah. I, and I'm nodding along with you as you're speaking, Matt. I, I totally agree. And um, the thing is though, like I've only, I'm aware of this too, because I went through a rough period of my life. Does it, and the more you look into this and look into people, most people that are happy and doing good things and speaking and helping other people, they've, they've gone through something traumatic or they've, they've had to overcome something, which I think is you look at it and you think about it, it sounds so ridiculous. Like, but like, it, why is that? You know, like I know they're more grateful for what they've been able to learn and overcome that. I, I get all of that, but for somebody that is like you just said, maybe quite disconnected or hasn't had any really traumatic issues or illness or loss of life or different things like that. How do they really you know, find that reconnection with themselves because you can't love anything or anyone until you love yourself, really. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I, I think I have the most compassion for the people that are in the least amount of pain. Mm, love that. Because, Ooh. yeah, because, because um, motivation isn't there. It doesn't hurt enough. They can mm. still tolerate it. Ooh, that, that to me is the worst place to be um, because our, you know, some of us, you know, I'll never forget this woman that was a client of mine. And I just saw her walking down a path that I was like, oh man, like this is not going to end well. You know what I mean? And, and she was a kind she was a friend of ours. I adored her, loved her. And she was also kind of a client, someone I'd help out here and there with her body and stuff. And, and I was just like, oh girl, just keep, like, be careful. Like, what are you doing? You know, la da da. And it was, 
with relationships and the way she was, this is the whole package. And, but her greatest asset was her tolerance for stress and the tolerance for abuse. Like that was an asset and has utility value at times. Right. Mm. Um, but it can very quickly become a liability. Right. Um, and I was watching this woman, like, I'm like, I don't even know how she's still functioning. And I kid you not, Dale, she one day came and I'm, I'm, I'm being literal here. She crawled into my office on her hands and knees because she was in so much physical and emotional pain. And she said, Matt, just tell me what to do. I'm ready to do whatever I need to do. And I go, thank God we're finally here. Yeah. Like it was the best thing that could have ever happened to her. And I'm not kidding you in 60 days, it was, it was 60 to 90 days. Her whole life was 180. Not, not so much because of my magic, but because there was incredible motivation mm. to do anything. And yes, I, I guided her in a, in a, in a beneficial way. But, you know, I can, you can lead a horse to water, Dale. We all know that, right? Yeah. But she was, she was, she, she, you know, I, I, I never forget her. I, I, I'll never forget her. Um, and what's interesting in my book is like, I got her from a zero to like a three out of a potential, like, let's just say 10, even though 10 is not, there is no cap. And she's at three and I'm like, all right, girl, like, let's like, I was so excited because I'm like, you are an incredible human and we can, like, you could really live whatever life. And she's like, no, I'm good. Just happy that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. Right. And that's when I had to let go of my, 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 my stuff. And I'm like, yeah. but three, when you're at a zero, I was like, I'm good. Well, you know, even she's, going, right going to, she's crushing it. Yeah, sorry about yeah. Rob, but even going if you're at zero and going to one, like that's that's unbelievable. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so like she obviously realized that something needed to change because she was so far gone. What are, what about the people that are you know that are happy, that are content, that are maybe on a treadmill? They don't understand how hard life can be or how good it can be. How do you speed the treadmill up or go for a run or get off it or like what are we doing? Stick a stick in one of their spokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I like that. That's I'm joking, kind of. Uh, but, I know I mean, you're joking, but I still enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think if we're all honest with ourselves and connect to the truth and reality of our lives, like there's always a place that there's some dissatisfaction or discomfort or pain and i think if and this is what i write about in a book like i think one of the most detrimental goals somebody can have is to focus on being happy okay because we're not biologically wired to live a happy life we're biologically wired to live a meaningful life and when we're pursuing meaning the emotions are communication systems like happiness, sadness, anger, frustration. And they're telling us when we're aligned with that meaning and purpose and when they're not. And so when you look at the purpose of emotion, it's a guide system. It's a navigation system. It's not the end game, right? When you're pursuing something that's meaningful, the byproduct of that is fulfillment. The byproduct of that is happiness. The byproduct of that is feeling grounded and connected. 
But if I pursue peace and joy and happiness, and I was involved with a personal organi- personal uh, development organization for 10 years, and that was all I was trained and that's all I focused on. Peace, joy, and love, man. Peace, joy, and love. And that was the hardcore focus. And your job was to raise your vibration and be more loving and da 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 which very quickly and subtly has any negative emotion be the sign that something that you're doing something wrong, that something's wrong with you and you need to get rid of that pattern and so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I, I think if we slow it down and are honest with ourselves, like I, I, I believe. And when you look at the, you know, um, the science and evolutionary biology that's that's very potent information out there excuse me that we're biologically wired to to pursue an aim to pursue something like our whole dopamine motivation system is is completely dependent upon the pursuit of something like the dopamine motivation molecule it's it's not the reward molecule it's the pursuit molecule it's the thing that has us pursue meaningful things and when we're doing that we're happy. But as soon as we stop engaging with pursuing meaning, <clears throat> the, motive, the, the, the the communication system lets us know. Yeah. Of course, there's a sadness, there's frustration. Actually, really interesting thing about frustration is very recently they've found that, that they, they've found that frustration is the emotion that triggers neuroplasticity in the brain. So basically you're frustrated. The brain becomes more plastic because it's time to learn something. Mm, wow. Right? So to, to, yeah. Right. Doesn't, but again, it's like, and this is my fundamental principle that I would say my 20 year journey that's been there for the 20 years I've been studying these things is the body is on our side and it knows what it's doing. And, and as soon as we create some framework or narrative that counteracts that meaning like, oh, your frustration's here. Let's turn it off. Hey, if you breathe for a certain amount of seconds, you won't be frustrated anymore. You can get rid of that bad frustration. Oh, you're feeling anxious. Oh, turn that off. Breathe. Just think positive things. You're fighting against yourself. Okay. Like you like that, that framework, that positioning puts you against your biology. And it assumes that there, the systems something's wrong with the system. Why is it? Why is it doing that? As opposed to really trying to seek to know thyself, right? Good old know thyself. Seek to understand, well, what's this communicating to me? Maybe I need to pay attention right now, right? And so to answer your question, you asked me a half hour ago. (laughs) I'm I'm enjoying this. This is good. (laughs) I, I think the people that are walking on that treadmill are more numb than they are happy. Mm. Yeah. And I think... If they Sorry. become more honest with themselves and give create a space to have a conversation about things, they may uncover some things that they might be able to access. Yeah, you know. but it, it's easier not to do that, isn't it? And I guess that's where it comes down to. And like you said, like frustration, stress, anxiety, they're emotions that we need. Like they're, they are actually good, but you need to know how to yes. regulate them. And I think that's that's the learnings that need to take place. And everyone has something to do. If it's breathing or whatever, that's great. But there are so many other avenues that you can use. Yeah. And I would say regulate, yes, but integrate more importantly. And here's what I mean by that. Um, if you're driving in your car and the yellow lights come on your dashboard, okay? If I said to you, Dale, 
it's so annoying when that when when that light comes on and says your tires get losing air isn't it so annoying it's so inconvenient <laughs> but don't worry i'll teach you how to regulate or or i'll teach you how to how to fix that if you hold this button down for 90 seconds the light will go off mm-hmm. but you didn't go flat tires and you'll crash <laughs> you got it because it's a communication yeah Right. So instead, oh, the light is trying to communicate something to me. It's obvious. It's a little bit more obvious with the light on the dashboard, but it's like, oh, I need to integrate this communication. And even though it might be inconvenient, I got to stop and fill this tire up with air. And once I've addressed the problem, the, the light goes off. Yeah. That's emotions. But uh, it really comes down to the narrative that you were telling yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like if you want to, if you want to find something to be a problem, it will be a problem. If you want to look at it and go, wow, I'm so grateful that lights come on. I had no idea I needed more air in my back tire that might burst and then I'm going to have a car crash. It's really exactly. the way, and it's, I talk about this all the time as well, Matt, the way we talk to ourselves. Do you know what I mean? It needs yeah. to change. We are our own worst enemies. I bet people listening, this is the way they speak to themselves. I'd never say it to anyone else, you know, but what, why do, oh, why do we right. do that to ourselves? Um, well, you know, I think we're, we have the highest expectations of ourself. Um, and I mean, <laughs> I, I truly believe the reason why we, um, orient that way, especially the last couple generations, <clears throat> I mean, I hope this isn't too much of a rabbit hole, but my perception right now as to why we're like that is because we've been conditioned at a very young age to um to to look at ourselves as the problem to what's happening and what i mean by that is you know when we when we come into when we're born humans we're the most dependent species and we're dependent for the longest period of time right so you have a baby if you guys would have just left your baby, you know, once your wife gave birth to your baby boy and you just left him, he wouldn't make it. Right. <laughs> I think so. He can't survive. <laughs> exactly. No. Right. But, you know, if you come here to Jupiter, Florida, we've got these sea turtles that give birth. You know, they come up on the shore. The mom lays the eggs. And as soon as those those eggs are hatched, she's like, peace out. Good luck, guys. And she's gone. And those turtles are their their job is to get into the ocean or something eats them, but they have the capacity to do that, right? They they don't need mom to be there for you know eighteen to thirty years like some humans do, right? Plus, plus and, for some, yeah. <laughs> right. So so what's interesting about that fact is we are biologically wired to attach to our environment, and there's been uh, there's been some classic famous studies about that. But what that means is we are we are we are born. I mean, the most narcissistic people on the planet are children. And and it's because they orient to the world as if everything's happening because of me. Like if a kid is, you know, if, if, if you're two or three years old and your parents are fighting and they're getting divorced and everything's angry, you assume that's happening because of you. Right. And so you start to adjust your behavior and your actions to try to manage things you can't manage, but you continually orient to it as, well, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. Clearly, I'm the problem. Clearly, I'm the problem. And the tricky, and this is where it goes into this idea 
and this is not my theory. I mean, there's much brilliant people that 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 have talked about this, not me. I'm, I'm definitely borrowing from them. Gabor Mate, one of my, I think he's a genius, but um, he's done so much work with trauma. But he points out that as a child, we've got this attachment drive, but then we have this other thing that's absolutely necessary for survival called being connected to ourselves, or this idea of authenticity. And all authenticity means is I'm aware of myself and how I feel and can express it. Right. But here's the here's the juxtaposition as a child. The attachment drive trumps the authentic, the authenticity, the need to be authentic. So me being myself, be feeling my feelings, expressing my feelings, if that threatens the attachment drive, then I'll disconnect from myself. Right. And because I I think in the last couple hundred years, last couple generations, a lot of kids weren't born into the most peaceful, safe environments. Like a lot of people were born into adults that were in survival mode. Like some of them were born into war ridden countries where literally they were just trying to survive. And maybe it was just one mom trying to raise five kids and dad was out there trying to make a buck to make sure everyone had food. Like they're all the different scenarios. Right. And so I think that creates this, 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 this thing that I'm, that I believe we're seeing generation after generation where we really haven't properly integrated from that attachment to the environment. It like, like I am orienting myself to the environment, like making other people happy, making this person happy. My value comes from the environment. I'm using the environment to tell me whether I'm valuable, accepted and loved. Right. Because we never properly learned how to connect to ourselves and find our own value within ourselves. Mm. That makes sense. I know. It, no, 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 no. It, it does, and I, I think uh, particularly when we went through school, you know, Matt, there was not, there wasn't things talking about this. You know, we weren't taught taught about our mental health or different things like that. But now kids are like so. Uh, I, I see it changing. I see the the kids coming out today. They're they're much more aware than whatever we went through. And that's, I feel a lot of us have gone through bad situations or, you know, had things that, you know, we probably weren't that proud of because we didn't actually know what was going on or we didn't know how to deal with it. Um, sure. I, that's, I look back at that. I'm not blaming anybody for things I've done in my life. I don't ever blame anyone, but um, it would have been nice to actually know that there's something as mental health when I was in primary school, you know? Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And, and and the cool thing, Dale, to just piggyback on what you're saying is here we are having a conversation about this. Yeah. Right. We're still and learning. So, <laughs> right. So that's, that's, that's super, super hopeful. Yeah, no, it, it really is. So Matt, let's obviously talk about your book, mate. Um, I know writing one myself that uh, the, the best of the best that you've got in your head and everything you've learned, you've put into that. Um Obviously, writing in six months, mate, is, is it's a very impressive achievement. Um, what can people expect? Because I know they're listening, and uh, I'm sure they can resonate with a lot of things you've said today. Because it's true, and it doesn't matter where you are in the world, um, it's going to hit home with them. So let's talk about your book, mate. What's in it? Where can we find it? Yeah, well, I mean, you can find it pretty much everywhere, but Amazon and the big stores like Barnes and Noble and all those guys, um, you can definitely find it on those outlets. Um, but the book is really, um, it's, it's my 20 plus year journey 
doing deep dives into the, you know, the realms of physical well-being, systemic well-being and mental well-being. Um, and, I, and what I did was I, I challenged every accepted truth, quote unquote, um, in the physical, nutritional and mental space and, and not to necessarily try to debunk it, but I wanted to understand it. Like, why are we doing this? Why are salads healthy again? Why is sugar bad? Where did that come from? Um, what, what, like, just, I just asked why, like a fifth grade, like a five-year-old, like a billion times. And I just didn't settle for, well, you know, the studies say that I don't give a shit about studies because every, <laughs> I'll show you five studies that say the exact opposite. So sorry, not good enough. And so my wife and I, we moved 18 times since we've been together because we relentlessly looked for people that had answers to questions and very few did. Wow. Um, and, and frankly, very few had tolerance for it. <laughs> For the questions, it was really clean <laughs> because there weren't there weren't a lot of people that had a lot of good answers, you know. So, um, you know, it started with all the surgeries I had as a kid, um, orthopedically, and I really wanted to understand like why, why do I keep having problems, man? And here's the thing that that really irritated me: I'm doing everything you people tell me to do. Why do I keep getting hurt? Mm. Like something's not right here. And if you're just going to say, well, it's your genes, I think that's cop. That's a cop out. Like you, like you got to give me more than that. So, so I went on an obsessive path to find answers. Um, and I found that a lot of what we based these things off of, whether it's, you know, fitness or classic rehabilitation models, the basic foundation that, that the, that the recommendations and models were, were, were developed from had a huge flaw. It was based on cadaveric anatomy as an example. Um, and what do I mean by that is we study a cadaver, a dead person. Um, we study how this muscle inserts here, <clears throat> bicep flexes the elbow, hamstring inserts originates here. Oh, it flexes the knee. It's like, and we all write down in our books that the bicep flexes the elbow and the hamstring flexes the knee. And then we create machines and exercises to work those muscles out. Yeah, but the big problem is the body, the muscles actually don't do that in real life in humans that are actually moving around the planet. But every model is based off of that. So you see all of the rehabilitation exercises, everything is based on cadaveric anatomy in some shape, form or fashion. Um, now there are sprinkles of people doing called more movement stuff, but you still see the influence of the exercise paradigm, I call it in there because there wasn't a movement paradigm that was created. Right. And so through through the people that I've studied with, like I said, people way smarter than me, um, I learned, you know, movement, the movement paradigm, which is what I write about in the book. And it's like, hey, man, if you really want to understand how your body works, this is actually how it works. Like none of those things make any sense. Stop, stop squeezing your belly button in and bending your knees to pick stuff up because it makes zero sense. Like, like where, where did all this come from? <laughs> like, oh, it came from the idea that if you, if you hold something still, it's stable. It's like, well, where did that come from? Like, like this is what I did for like obsessively for 10 years and found that a lot of these things had no solid basis for them, you know, and a lot of assumptions were made. And, um, you know, and I did that with nutrition and I did it with the mindset piece. And it was fascinating to see what I uncovered, which is, 
what this book is and it's health to vitality and and what what one of the things i discovered about health which is really interesting is the definition of health is the absence of illness or disease and that's exactly what our model will do is it will keep you right above the baseline but not only will it just keep you above baseline it'll keep you dependent on the model to stay above baseline which is quite convenient um <laughs> well designed so, but that's yeah and that, that's the paradigm so all these truths were based inside of being healthy which is to keep you above baseline surviving and so i'm like all right i'm throwing out everything when it comes to the health model like anything anyone's ever told me that's healthy is going out the window i'm starting over and i developed the vitality paradigm because to me vitality is the thing i want <laughs> not surviving i want to thrive and so vitality that word to me like always resonated like it was it was to me it was like extracting every drop out of life you can get it's it's living the most exuberant fulfilling like life like that's possible not just getting by um you know so that's that's really what the book is about (laughs) well i i love that because i think too often we just assume we go to a doctor or we go to somebody that is above us and obviously studied more and we just assume what they're saying is right. Um, but we're not all made the same, Matt, where there's no, you're a unique person. Like there's no one else in the world like you. So why do we all do the same thing? I, I totally agree with that. And it resonates with me. And um, is that what's, you know, you've just brought out your app as well. Is that, you know, obviously you've put all of that into there as well. Yeah. So the app um, it has like, right now it has over five hours of free content. And and so there's a lot in my book. It, it's, it's a book that it's, it, it's, it's heavy. It's dense. Okay. I, I, I literally put in 20 years of what I've learned into this book. It was, it, it's an, it's a lot. And so what I did was I created these videos to support the book that just kind of have bite-sized topical videos from the book, like one on sleep, one on, hey, understand the difference between movement and exercise, like a little five minute clip. Um, hey, like what are the foods that really optimize recovery? What are the vitality principles for systemic well-being? You know what I mean? Like just little snippets that you can engage with on the app. Um, and you know, we're also developing um courses and um and a subscription where we, you know, basically give people, you know, all of the tools needed um, to live, you know, with the vitality paradigm from a physical, systemic, and mental space. My, my wife is incredibly talented when it comes to um, helping women with hormones and systemic health and um, food. And I mean, she's an incredible, not only is she an incredible cook, but she's incredible at managing the needs of a family <laughs> and and you know what i mean like that's all that is are you, i mean i got the easy job man like managing the house oh, managing, <laughs> I, get to get on the, I get to get on these calls with you and bs for an hour and i love it right <laughs> he's managing the whole house you know and yes i obviously play my role but um you know she's just such an incredible resource and so she's also has played such a big role in the information in the book. I tell her story, um, but she's also putting all of her uh, knowledge and she works with clients and it's also going to be part of it. So we're really excited about it. 
Oh, that sounds brilliant. And and for people listening, uh, if you go to episode 281, I'll have links for Matt's book, his website and the apps. You can go and check those out because, um, yeah, I think if you – you can never stop searching to finding things that can, you know, level up or make you like if you're playing Super Mario, get another mushroom to grow and, and develop and be better. Um, I, I totally agree. So, Matt, I'll have all that on there. What I want you to sort of be honest here. What are you most proud of for, you know, everything you've mentioned? Uh, obviously, growing up with so many, you know, issues and surgeries and different things like that. Do you look back on that? What are you proud of you overcome? Moving 18 times. I think that's something to be proud in itself because no one likes moving. Um, or just the impact you're having. What do you do you sit back and in the lovely Florida sun and like think what you're really proud of? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you absolutely what I'm what I'm most proud of um and what I'm grateful to myself for quite frequently is that I didn't settle. Yeah. Um, and that I that I went for it. And uh, it was actually a moment, I was actually listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast. And this is, you know, when there was probably more, much less podcasts than there are now. <laughs> right? Everyone does one now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he had this gentleman on who, uh, I can't, I can't remember his name. I wrote, a, he wrote about him in my book, but he basically spent, um, he spent time with people at the end of their life very successful people as they were transitioning, right? And coming in their life and you interview them. What are they thinking about? What are they thinking about? And this is one of those moments where I was kind of thinking about saying, screw it. Like I just, what I, what I want to create, I can't, I don't even know how, like on those moments of thinking about, you know, jumping ship. Right. And I remember this guy went through the top things people regretted at the end of their life. And this was a game. This is one of those moments, Dale, that that like had me reinvest in a, in a, in a very intense way. And you know the normal stuff, you know the stuff you'd think, but but like too much time at work, blah blah. blah. But the thing that he said that the one, number one thing, and at least this is how I remember it, the number one thing that people regretted was they wondered if they would have went for it and didn't settle. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, that's not going to be me. I don't care if I end up in a box under a bridge. I'll be okay. As long as if I say to myself, Hey man, you fucking went for it. Yeah. You've got to live because no one else is living with that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like talks cheap. I, I couldn't agree more with that. And uh, the thrill and passion of actually going for it. Um, that's, that's what happiness is. I feel like we're talking about the danger of pursuing happiness. So I feel the danger of not finding it is by not doing what you're meant to do or what you want to do. Exactly. Amen, brother. That is exactly right. And yes, it's, it's challenging, but it is so worth it. And that's the question I always say to people is don't ask if it's going to be hard or easy. Ask if it will be worth it. Because things that are worth it are usually challenging. That's so true. Matt, if my microphone wasn't hooked up to my desk here, I'd drop it because that's a mic drop moment there. I <laughs> absolutely love that. That's so true. What a lovely way to finish off. So, um, Matt, thank you so much for, you know, rearranging and finally agreeing when I actually turned up to come on the <laughs> podcast. It was definitely worth it. And um, it's really, you know, when you haven't done something for a while, this reminded me why I do this because I get to speak to people like yourself and share. It's not being selfish, me just learning from you that other people can as well. So thank you so much for, you know, being on the show, but also 
for being vulnerable, sharing your story um, and the work you're doing because it's needed. Um, so I can guarantee people have resonated with it. And for listeners, remember 281, this is the episode. Go on there, click on Matt's website, get his book, check out the free app um, and just reach out to him and maybe say what that one thing was that really hit home. So um, Matt, brilliant, mate. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. That was good.